You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is Pancakes and Bacon with VFL, Tyler Kerbison, and Reed Bacon. Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to another episode of Pancakes and Bacon. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Kerbison, joined with Reed Bacon. Oh, we got another great one for you. Um, Saban is out. I mean, how freaking exciting is that? I'm sure every other SEC fan across the Southeast is absolutely loving it. Uh, the legend is gone. So we are going to be talking about that. We have a special guest to talk about the new hire as well. Um, and then we're also going to be doing a season breakdown. So me and Reed are just going to, you know, go kind of game by game um, and then give out a little bit of awards at the end. But before we get into any of that, Reed, how are we doing, bud? I'm just getting ready for Snowpocalypse 2024, you know. <laughs> That's right. It's coming. I, I- you know, got a my my dad was joking. He said he was at Food City after church today, just like getting normal stuff. And he said the place was just a chaos. And I was like, everybody's going in there, get their get their bread and their milk. Oh, I know. I was getting I was getting pissed just circling the grocery store parking lot, like <laughs> son of a bitch. Like if these people don't get the hell out of my way. Yeah, it's like you got your normal Sunday shoppers, and then you got the people that are just panicking. But I do hate that I, I ruined one of my good jokes right when I first saw you. I said, sweet cardigan, Mr. Rogers. I think it looked great. So, Let, hey, you, you always look good. Hey, and Megan gives me a hard time because I do have one cardigan and she like doesn't want me to wear it because she said it looks old manish. But I like to wear one at certain times when I'm like dressing up. I'm not going to wear one when I'm lounging around the house, but whatever. Um, okay. Great lounge. So, we all know that Nick Saban retired. We will get to that. We will talk about that. But I was talking with one of our good, good buddies, mm-hmm. one, one of our best friends. And he mentions, he goes, you know, Kellen DeBoer was the offensive coordinator when I was at Southern Illinois. And I said, <laughs> rut row. <laughs> so I was like, if he gets hired, I was like, would you come on the pot? He's like, yeah, sure. So I called you, told you, you're like, bet. Yeah, amazing. So you all have heard us talk about this individual multiple, multiple times. He was in my grade at Catholic, so one grade above uh, – above Kyler, but it's Tyler Williamson. So he's one of our really good buddies. He's one of the – Kyle, you correct me if I'm wrong, but definitely one of the best football players to come through East Tennessee. Absolutely one of the best to come through Knoxville. Yes. Um, So not only only was he a great player, but he was a really good football mind. So no no offense to some people, but I'm like, yeah, you played for that individual or you played around him. Like, yeah, that's cool, but you're not going to bring much to the table. Like, at least I know – Tyler's opinions are going to be a really, really good one. And I think it's really neat. And it also speaks to how crazy coaching is that literally when I was in college, when, when my group of friends was in college, Kellen DeBoer was the offensive coordinator at Southern Illinois. And now he's the head football coach at the university of Alabama. Bro. It's insane. I mean, freaking Brandon Staley who just got fired from the Chargers was like a defensive assistant when I was in college at Tennessee. Like it is wild. He was. Yeah. How'd you never bring that up? Because I he was there for one year when I was while I was there, and it was like a, almost a passing. Like I barely even knew him. He's a defensive assistant, so I didn't re- interact with him. But then whenever he got the head coaching job, I was like, "How in the hell is he already a head coach?" 
Yeah, well, that's funny. Well, anyways, let me say this. Tyler, who's waiting, we're about to bring him in real quick. But um, I'm going to read off some stuff about Tyler. But he also told me that Mike Elko, who just got hired at Texas A&M, was his defensive coordinator at Bowling Green. So Tyler's, Tyler's background was he went to Knoxville Catholic, he went to Bowling Green, transferred, went to junior college, and then ended up at SIU, uh, which SIU actually recruited him out of high school to play quarterback. And then when he, he wanted to play defense, they recruited him at linebacker. Let me just read some of this stuff off. In high school, first team all-state selection, two-time all-district and all-region, earned defensive MVP honors at the Tennessee East-West All-Star Game, which was dope because I remember watching that and Bo Wallace. Two picks? No, three. I think he had three picks and he house called one and it was sick because we'll, there's we'll a – and I still have the the uh, newspaper of of Tyler diving, and it was like the head page of the New Sentinel diving on the pylon after he picked off the Ole Miss quarterback. Um, I just he know he's. I just know he's so uncomfortable listening to you. Just yeah. About him. <laughs> Di- uh, District four A, uh, District four triple A defensive back player of the year went forty four and eight in four years of high school. Um, that's that's in high school. Then he goes to Southern Illinois and is like the newcomer of the year starting right when he basically shows up. He sets a school record in forced fumbles and like which Bart Scott, who was in the NFL, that was the record Tyler tied. So multiple, multiple, multiple uh, statistics at, at the University of Southern Illinois, two time team captain. He played against Raheem Moster when Raheem Moster was at Purdue, body bagged him. He absolutely, <laughs> he absolutely murdered Carson Wentz. One of Tyler's sickest plays was when they went to the Fargo Dome and he came off the edge and blasted Carson Wentz. And then another guy got the fumble recovery and house called it. So electric play. But um, anyways, br- bring the big fella in. The big guy. Tyler, how are we doing, bud? <laughs> great, great. Thanks for the uh, for the nice introduction, fellas. <laughs> look yeah. hey now, but now look look at him when when Tyler was playing he had like the buzzed head just out there straight savaging now now he now he owns his own uh general contracting construction business he has three kids all under the age of three and a half he's got his comb <laughs> he's got his comb over he's just living the dad life now he's an adult. Dad. you're bringing up stuff i don't even remember so it's uh <laughs> Played a lot of football, hit my head a lot of times since then. But uh, that's right, that's right. Tyler was Tyler was always the one to set the tone in high school of like, hey, listen, we're gonna we're gonna knock some heads around. So yeah, we and we've talked about it multiple times on here where we've shouted him out and no one really knew who he was besides they're like, wow, this guy must be the Sean Taylor of of Knoxville Catholic. But the and the crazy thing is Tyler's not BS, and we'll talk about different stuff. Uh, and he's like, man, I forgot about that or I don't remember that, and then we'll go back and look and remember at SIU. But uh, to jump into this, to, to, tee, to tee him up, because we brought him on to talk Kellen DeBoer. So we were just talking the other day, and he said, like, you know, Kellen was at SIU when I was there. And I was like, no way. And this is, this is from my side. So I'm at UT now, and I'm a student. And obviously I'm talking to Tyler basically every day. We're keeping mm-hmm. up with stuff. He's telling me about football. And, and I remember going to a couple games and watching, like, wow, this offense is trash. And I'm just like, I, I don't I like they can't score like this offense is garbage. And the only reason SIU was good was because of Tyler and some of the other guys on defense that were a bunch of dogs like they won games, won games because of scoring on defense, scoring on special teams. Tyler had a block kick or a block PAT to win a game one time. So I remember specifically sitting like 
I remember t- one conversation. I was at Humanities HSS on on campus in between classes, and Tyler and I are talking, and I can hear the frustration in his voice because he just wants to win so bad, and the offense is so bad, and they win because the defense. And now I find out that that offensive coordinator was Kellen DeVore. So Tyler, like, <clears throat> just tell us about Kellen, being around him, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I first uh, I want to preface by saying he's obviously a good coach. Uh, yeah, I mean the amount of winning he's had <laughs> at Washington, at Fresno State, the fact that he's in the national championship, like yeah, guys, yeah, he's so a good coach. He's a great coach. He's a super nice guy. Um, but yeah, in college we were like, man, he's trash. Like what? This offense can't move the ball. So he. Um, Kind of little backstory. He uh, he's a Dakota boy. If y'all know anything about Dakota, to go to, to anybody that's uh, from the Dakota, South Dakota, North Dakota, they all stick together. So our head coach was a guy named Dale Lennon. He was a North Dakota guy. So his whole staff was filled with North Dakota, South Dakota guys. So Kellen DeBoer, um, he's this guy. We don't really know anything about it. You know, once you play college football, you realize it's not anything like high school in the fact that. It's basically two separate teams. You got your offense and you got your defense. And I don't know what they got going on except that they can't score. And then you look at the stat sheet at the end of the game. And, uh, so you know, you practice with them. You kind of know their coaches a little bit, but you really don't know what's going on. You really don't know what what, – what's happening on the other side of the ball. So he comes in, um, he's already there when I'm there. He was my offensive coordinator there, my sophomore and junior year. Um, only thing we really know about the guys, he, uh, played at a NAIA school, Sioux Falls in South Dakota, played baseball too. I was just kind of speaking of getting hit in the head a lot. Uh, just refreshing my mind on a lot of the stuff that, uh, we went through in college. So he played football and, and won a national championship there as a receiver. And then uh, also played baseball. I guess he was probably even a better baseball player. I read that he went on and played um, some like independent ball after, uh, after college, he um, hit like 500. And so he was a really good baseball player, allegedly good athlete. So anyways, he goes on, he coaches in high school, but what we know about him is he's the head coach at Sioux Falls for like five years, six years. I think it was uh, five years. They won three national championships. So it doesn't really matter at any level to win three in five years. So yeah. that was also another thing I'd kind of taken um, looking back to get sidetracked here. His his winning record as a, as a coach is unbelievable. He's, he's one, He was 104 and 12 so far. So yeah. he's had 12 losses as a head coach in, you know, however many, 10, 12 seasons that he's been a head coach. And uh, so he's a winner. Um, but, he, you know, coming in, anytime you get a smaller school coordinator coming in, there's always questions about it. You know, I, I was thinking about it yesterday and thinking about Dave Clawson, right? He comes to UT and he comes from, uh, I guess, Fordham, I think is where he was. And uh, he gets the boot after a year. He's kind of a it seems like ends up maybe being a little bit of scapegoat, but that's who the head coach was um, when I was at Bowling Green. And Dave Clawson's the smartest coach I've ever been around. Um, he's a head coach that was involved in everything. But anyways, back to Kellen DeBoer. He obviously is a really good coach, uh, but just seemed to have trouble. And uh, it kind of goes you to sh- it goes to show it a coach can set up a play as, as well as he wants to if the team doesn't execute, right? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Whoa, Wait a whoa. second. Wait, you know, did you hear did you hear that, Kyler? I hope I hope all the fans heard that. And speaking of Dakota boys, our our own Josh Heibel's Dakota boy, but it's oh, really? funny that 
that's funny that Tyler's talking about people setting up plays, but you got to execute. And Tyler, and this is not a shot taken at that guy because uh, I don't really remember. But Ural's quarterback like wasn't he? He was okay. I mean, he was yeah, okay. he, yeah. he was a mid conference guy. So um, people that watch this might not know much about FCS football or one uh, double A, but the Missouri Valley is the conference SIU plays in. It's for sure the best. Co- it's the SEC of the FCS is what we say, right? Mm-hmm. If there's I think it used to be 16 teams that would get in the playoffs. Six of them would be from the NBC, uh, NBC or um, yeah, Missouri Valley Conference, and um, it's still that way now. There's there's usually seven teams ranked in the top 25, so it's super competitive. It's a hard conference to win. My sophomore year, we go six and five with for sure the best defense I've ever played on. We. Um, like I said, six and five, three guys go play in the NFL for a couple years. They're senior. That's just the kind of the senior guys on that team. Probably yeah. on the team, the guys that had at least just put a uniform on, there were six, probably seven maybe that played some that year. So we had this thing where two things. Kellen DeBoer at SIU was the best first drive offensive coordinator I've ever played with. Oh. He, I guarantee he was – I think I think that year we played 11 regular season games. He was – I guarantee he was almost 11 for 11 on his first drive. He was a great planner. He, he seemed to really prep his offense well before the game, but we always just thought he had trouble adjusting. Um, but then, you you know, you look on the defensive side of the ball, if you call a corner blitz and it's wide open and the corner misses the sack, like it's not really the coach's fault. So you just don't know what's going on in the offense. We don't study their film. We got too much yeah. to watch on ourselves. So I don't really know what's going on. All I knew was our mentality was if we don't have at least two turnovers and a touchdown, we're not going to win. So I was looking back at it because I couldn't remember exactly how many points we scored. And I had Reed look this up just for reference. We scored nine defensive touchdowns that year. Nine. Ooh. So I think we scored in special teams or defense 10 of 11 games, and we were six and five. So <laughs> you know, we're we're going like, dude, if we don't score twice, if we score twice, we win. If we score once, it's 50-50 shot. We're losing. Um, and so I was asking Reed yesterday, I was like, look up how many – defensive touchdowns Tennessee scored last year because the next year I looked up for us I think we had like two you know yeah. I mean that's two pick sixes which is not a terrible year but we had nine defensive touchdowns and like two safeties so crazy it was just it was a nuts year and we ended up you know on the bubble of the playoffs at six and five because it's a good conference but you know we're just blaming the offense the whole time um and then junior year little better seven and five uh same quarterback um yeah, you just don't know what's going on, but super nice guy. Um, you said he was a big time, like super nice. Everyone liked him, relationship builder. And I think, and people hearing that, are like, oh wait, sweet guys. Like, who cares if he's a nice guy? These are three people on this on this that Kyler, you played at Tennessee. You had multiple coaches. You had some time in the NFL and the CFL. I forgot to mention Tyler had some time with the Cleveland Browns in the NFL. Been around a lot of coaches between Bowling Green, SIU, Community College, NFL, it's – it's we the three of us want to win. Like, truly, that that is what we what we care about. Yep. But it is we – and I know for a fact Tyler and I have talked about this. We are like – some of the old-school way of coaching just kind of like perturbs us the wrong way. Like, someone who just MFs and cusses for no reason. It's like, there's mm-hmm. no reason to be a dick. Like, not that we can't handle it, you know, like – but it's yeah. just like, what's the point of that? Like, yeah. try to build these people up. Like, we yeah. forget that 
especially in high school when they're, you know, 14, 15, 16, but then when you get to college, they're still 16, 17, 18 year olds. And so I remember him saying that. And I was like, I knew that meant something that like, Hey, DeBoer's a nice guy. Like he's a relationship builder. Like he's yeah. not going to, you know, he's not going to MF these dudes. Now, how does that affect the guys at Alabama that Nick Saban could have was, was very feisty at sometimes. I think people forget that he did love up on his guys a ton. And I, and even with Saban, if, even if he wasn't as much of a lover-upper as some other ones, they still knew what they were getting when they went there. And I think that most football players are going to respect someone that, that's going to shoot them straight and be honest with them and is going to win. But I just don't want that to get – I don't want them people to think, like, Tyler's just saying, oh, he's a nice guy. Like, well, hey, we don't give a damn if he's a nice guy. Like, no, some of that some of that matters. No, no it I does. It, it, we Go ahead, Tyler. I, I, so I had, I had kind of two questions for you, Tyler, like – I know that you might not, you know, quite know his entire offense or know like, you know, exactly how he's doing everything, film breakdown, all that kind of stuff. But from practice, from playing against this guy for two years in practice and, you know, you got third down day on Thursday or, or whatever it might be. When I watch the Washington team that he was just on, I'm, I'm seeing the air it out. I'm seeing the deep ball. I'm seeing him try and take advantage of athletes on the edges. It's not necessarily, uh, hey, run first, set up the run, then the pass. It's like we can depend on the pass. If the run is there, great. It, did you feel like that was kind of what he was at SIU, or was it a little bit different? Has he kind of grown into that? Maybe maybe it was Michael Penix that really kind of pushed him towards that more air raid because Buddy throws a beautiful ball. He does. Seems like the best deep ball thrower I've seen in a long time. I mean, time. insane. But, yeah, no, he um, – it was definitely a more West Coast-style offense, I would okay. say. Um, we had pretty good backs when we were there, and so he he did, he did a good job of utilizing them at uh, at SIU, and we had a really – our tight end in my class is a guy named Michael Prude. He plays for the Falcons. Um, he was a fifth-round draft pick, and he used him really well, um, I guess – you feel like he kind of had to, but he did. Um, but yeah, I mean, he seems like it's been fairly consistent, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in that offense that that he's that he's run throughout his career. Because, like I said, he's there my junior year. He leaves senior year, and he goes to Eastern Michigan, and which is a small step up, I guess, possibly. Uh, Maybe. <laughs> What was he going there for? Offensive coordinator? Offensive coordinator, yeah. Offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. And we're like, what the heck? How how does he get that job? And then he goes from Eastern Michigan to Fresno State, I believe. Does well there. One year at Indiana after that. And then he ends up back at Fresno State as the head coach. And so, you know, I I didn't know him well, but he he had a coach that kind of tagged along, at least from Fresno to Washington, uh, was my favorite coach. He's a guy named Eric Schmidt. Uh, Coach Schmidt was um, our our linebackers coach, special teams coordinator, and uh, was the special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach, I think, at Washington last year. He's now the defensive coordinator at San Diego State. And so I I kept up with him a little bit, um, but you're just seeing this guy's progress and you're going, Man, we really – like you said, you don't know, but you're like, I really didn't think he was that very good at SIU. Now he's the head coach at Fresno State, and then he gets the head coach at Washington. You're like, dang, this guy, he's he's better than I thought he was. And so it's kind of – it's been interesting. But offensively, it seems fairly consistent. But, again, to be honest, it's been 10 years. So Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah exactly. I mean, I hadn't watched many college games of ours since then, so it, it feels similar. 
um, more West Coast style shotgun. Um, yeah. That, All right, let me, let me ask you this, <clears throat> and you might not have a ton of background info on this, but you still have an opinion on it. What do you feel like he would be as a culture builder? Because it sounds like, you know, a game day, uh, doing the script for the offense, uh, doing things like that and getting prepared for game day, is, 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 he'll, he'll be pretty good. Obviously, it seems like maybe he's gotten a little bit better with adjustments, but what about building a culture, be, being the CEO like he's been for those past couple stops, and then recruiting? Because we know how important that is in the SEC. I mean, yeah. you if, if you're at Washington – and I'm not, not I'm not taking knocks at him because I don't know how I feel yet about how he'll do. I mean, you go to Washington and you got a, a guy like Penix, you're going to win a, a good amount of games. Now, mm -hmm. he obviously elevated that and took him to the national championship. But, Tyler – what do you think about the CEO style culture building and recruiting? Cause it is the SEC. Yeah. It's, it's, again, it's a little skewed because when you're winning um, it changes everything. Right. So it's easy to get guys to believe when you're winning. So he's, he won at Fresno state. He won at Washington. Um, it's really easy to get behind the coach in that way. Um, and again, it didn't matter to us on defense, but offensively he probably, um, Style-wise, he's he is more calm and cool and collected. He's not um, he's not a huge yeller and screamer. At least he wasn't in SIU. Um, yeah. y'all might even know a little better as far as sideline what what you're seeing on TV. But he he is what he is in that way. Like you're you're kind of getting what you're seeing, and so he'll be a calm present. I think he won't be quite as fiery as Nick Saban, which again as a player I loved. Um, it's probably easier on a lot of today's players. Uh, but Saban can get away with it because he wins national championships, so he can coach how he wants to, you know. Right. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, he coaching in the South or uh, recruiting in the South really um, will be newer now. I mean, half of our guys are from Georgia and Florida too. So he's done it. He's not unfamiliar. But coaching in the West Coast, I mean, recruiting in the West Coast is also hard too. You're competing against all the California schools. Mm -hmm. And so um, – he obviously has done a decent job, but I think where he, and you mentioned Mike Elko, like they're scheme guys. Um, and so if they can get their players in that they like, even if he doesn't get 25, five stars every year, um, yeah. he's probably going to be okay. I don't know how good shoes I wouldn't want to fill behind Saban. Um, but definitely not. I was, I was kind of surprised when he took it. Cause like I said, he's, I think as far as I know, he's a family man. He's a good guy. And he's just got more ambition than I do. I wouldn't have taken that job after saving either. He could have been at Washington for 30 years and never had to leave. Cause I was kind of looking at his record. And I've always thought that about all these coaches. You he's moving every like 2.7 years, you know. Like you said, he's offensive coordinator at SIU in 2013 and 2024, 11 years later, he's a head coach at Alabama, um, with six stops in between. You know, it's a it's a tough road, but I hope he does well. I mean, I love to uh kind of see him progress i wish that coach that i was talking about was still on staff but um he'll do he'll do good elsewhere do you remember yeah. about him i know you mentioned like do you remember anything hearing about him as a recruiter like like was it was like i know he had his areas and stuff and i know you were focused on so many other things but like do you remember being at siu and someone to talk being like oh he's a really good recruiter or he went and got this guy for yeah. something or was he just like another coach there yeah, I mean, it's – it's you don't really know, and I don't really care offensively. I mean, you do. You want them to coach good guys. But as as you all know, like, 
coaches get a territory. I don't know what his territory was or who, what, which guys he brought on specifically at SIU, but you yeah. don't, you're, he's, he's recruiting offense and defense. Um, as a lot of these coaches do, if, if they're the, you know, West coast guy, they're going out there to get offense and defensive guys. So I, I don't have a specific story on the, kind of what his recruiting role was. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think one of the biggest things about being a head coach and I've said it on the podcast before is like, not necessarily, hey, X's and O's, I understand what football is. I, I, you know, I know when to call a timeout, when to go for it on fourth. Like a lot of it is, hey, I'm building relationships. Hey, I'm motivating people. Like you'll see it. It's just like how many times do you interact with your head coach when you're in college? Mm-hmm. Team meetings, the, the, the Monday meeting where he's like, here's our – game plan for the week. Here's what we're concentrating on this week. You know, we got to be physical and active with our hands on defense. We got to be fast and efficient on offense. It's like, you know, finding those talking points, finding the motivation, judge of character, who who's the coach that I'm bringing with me, all of those kinds of things. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that he is going to face at Alabama is – Hey, coach, you just lost your offensive coordinator. Bring in a new one that's yeah. just as great. Saban did it eight years yeah. in a row. Yeah. You know, hey, you just lost your defensive coordinator. Bring in another one that's just as good and get to the SEC championship again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is what Saban did so, so well is I'm adapting. Oh, our offense is getting more up tempo. Oh, we're getting away from huddle football. Guess what? I'm going to go get an offensive minded like guy who can throw it around. I'm going to change the quarterbacks I go and recruit, right? I'm going to go get Tua. I'm going to go get Jalen Hurts. I'm going to, you know, I'm getting those guys, not freaking McElroy. Like, it, 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 you know, he adapts. Did, did he play call at Washington? I feel like he might have. I See, that's – I meant to look that up because – and I – because I was thinking that when I was watching that championship, I was like, dude, I love watching this offense. And I said <laughs> – I was texting some people. I said, I don't know if it's him or the OC that's calling them or who designed it, but they had some nasty, nasty plays. Now, I get it. Uh, and and I'm still, like I said, I'm still not fully how I feel like he'll do. I, I'm not scared that they hired him. I, I'll say that. Like, maybe that's just because I really love Heupel and it's not Nick Saban. So, I feel like it didn't matter who they brought that, in. What it, whoever got hired to downgrade. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. so, it's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. But, but then again, I feel like – some of these teams that are not perennial, you know, Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, um, you know, Florida State, Clemson, yeah, just some of these ones that have been doing it since the B- or since the BCS and then the, the college football playoffs have been around. Hmm. Those one-offs of like a Washington, it's kind of like when you catch uh, lightning in a bottle and he has three NFL receivers and he has Penix, one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the nation. And so it's like not to say that I don't think he can be a really good coach, but I definitely feel like he was more of one of these lightning in a bottle. He's the hot name at the time, kind of like when it was um, uh, Texas, it's time to make a hire, and they went out and got – Tom, was it? Yes, Tom Herman. Thank you, Kyler. And and, and Tom Herman was like the name. 
and now dude's like unheard of and he's down at like Florida Atlantic. And so I, I, that's the one thing about Kellen that I don't know. Like I'm waiting to see, you know, did he catch lightning bottle? He cashed in on his lottery check and, and go from there. But you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. Like I said, I'm still up in the air about it. Cause I like his offense, but you know, Bama's a different beast, man. Like, you know, and, and it's, it's not like you can't have a couple good seasons here and there. It's like, you have to win a couple of national championships in and out type. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, don't I mean, the biggest thing about like wherever he's been so far is there's his own pressure he puts on himself to win because he's a competitor, as most coaches and players are. But there's no outside pressure at Fresno State. Like, if you win seven games, you're going to be all right, right? No, you win seven games at Fresno State, you're a hero. He went three and three the COVID year, and they thought he was Bear Bryant. Yeah, like if if you win seven or eight games at Washington, people are gonna you're gonna stay. Like you're never getting fired if you win yeah. that because it's Washington. Like and don't don't knock Washington. I mean, Washington's a, a been a good program. I mean, they had Chris Peterson for a long time, but but I get it. Like the pressure is not the same. The pressure is it, it's just not, and and I believe that about a lot of schools. I mean, it, uh, every school but three in the Big Ten. Literally, you can win as many games every other year. Freaking Iowa, like prime example. It's just Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State are the only ones where they hold a higher standard. But now he's at Bama. It's like, hey, buddy, we expect 10 wins next year. Yeah. That, that That's what it is. And can he live up to that? Can he hold everyone else to that standard? I don't know. That's going to be the biggest question. All right, so Tyler, I'm going to put you on the spot. Just it, obviously, no one's holding it to you, but like, and and we're not going to say success of Nick Saban because it's just not possible. But do you think now? Remember, it's a 12 team playoff, and just to let everyone know a little background, after Tyler stopped playing and and it was over, he kind of has like removed himself from watching football. Like he doesn't watch it like t- Kyler and I do. Like he's definitely not obsessed with it like I am or anything. So don't think that he's locked in every Saturday and Sunday into the football world, but, but, but he knows enough. Like Tyler, what do you, what do you feel Kellen DeBoer will do at Alabama? Like, like remember there's 12 team playoff. Like you think he's in and out of it. You think he's consistently in it. You think things are successful or what? Then I got another question for you. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, Cause it is, it's a, it's, it's unknown. Um, like I said, the guy's winning record would say that he probably is going to do okay, but is okay good enough? You know, you look at a Mark Rick at Georgia, 10 wins didn't end up being enough for him there. Yeah. Um, and there's high expectations at Alabama higher than probably anywhere. Um, and so the 12-team playoff will help him for sure. Uh, you tend to say once you have a culture built in the tradition that Alabama does, you know, some of the things that, that, that Tennessee will do – I think um, he'll have enough there at least to start with to at least put a, you know, put a good uh, run together next year. Um, We'll see. Uh, But the 12 team playoff for sure is going to help them uh, because, you know, the college football analyst and just the name Alabama is going to carry him enough. um, It did this year. Um, And so I think that helps him. It, how do you say you follow up one of the greatest, if not the greatest, college football coach of all time? And how do you, how do you say he, he's going to live up to that? 
you know, it's it seems like, you know, if you're a betting man, you'd say no. There's like no way you live up to it. No. Uh, but is it good enough to keep him around? I don't know. Uh, but he obviously believes in himself. I think uh, I, I looked yesterday just out of curiosity to see if, if he'd named any uh, of his staff around him, and he hadn't yet. Um, but I think he's a smart guy, and I think the first thing he's going to have to do, and the most important thing, you know, of a business or of a coaching staff is is your, you know, your coaches, your coordinators, who are you hiring? And I think one thing he mentioned in one of the articles that I read was just that he, he's got to keep some Alabama guys there. He's got to keep some SEC guys around because he's not that. Um, yeah. That's not, where, that's not his background. And so he knows he has to keep some of those guys around to help him. Um, but it'll just be who does he hire? Does he does he have enough? Um, I, I You do think of him more of a, as a hypo, you know, personality-wise. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be – It'll be interesting because you said Mike Elko. He's the opposite. He's an old school football, and the dude is tough to play for. He's <laughs> he um, he's not the kindest guy you'll ever meet, but he gets it done. Um, he's a scheme guy, and he's won everywhere he's went to. Um, but I hope Kellen does. You know, for you know, for the Tennessee fans, I hope he doesn't do as good as Heupel. Uh, But you know, I pull for him just because of the connection. But yeah, don't know. Unanswered. Can't, I can't answer that yet. On, I think it's probably getting- no is my answer. You know, I don't know <laughs> if you make it five years, uh, but any it's it's a hard shoes to fill. I think I think the funny thing is like we everyone knows everyone's reasonable, even unreasonable Alabama fans should know that he's not going to be Nick Saban. But so everyone's saying, hey, he's not going to hit this, but a lot of those clowns think that he can still get right here, mm-hmm. and it's like success could t- potentially still be right here. But I feel like if he's here, they're like, he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, y'all just know how hard, you know how hard it is to win 10 games. It's, it's, it's so hard in the SEC and that, you know, football conference to win 10 games and the way Saban did it is just unfair. And yeah. the shoes yeah. that he's going to have to so cause you can say that all you want. We've experienced it in Knoxville too. Like the expectations are high and nine games isn't enough. And so, like I said, if I was a betting man, I'd probably say no. I hope he does, just because I like him. But it's tough. It's tough shoes to fill. It's like uh, it's like when I left Knoxville Catholic. And, uh... <laughs> All right, let me days. hey, let me let me finish up with this. I did think of a funny, a really funny story that involved the three of us. It was when Kyle, you were talking about the head coach, and you're like, hey, it's CEO type stuff, da da da. And I remember specifically, we were at Catholic. You were going into your senior year at UT, I think. And Tyler was, it was over Christmas break and we were all working out down at Catholic because Tyler had the keys to, to the work, weight room down there. And so Tyler was still at SIU or maybe he was getting ready to go to the combine uh, or off to his combine training. I forget, I forget. But I remember getting down there, me just being like the loose cannon Tennessee fan. And I was so out on Butch. And I remember you're just over there trying to work out. We're all three doing our workouts. We're getting after it. And I'm just going in on Butch. And you were finally like, dude, like, he's my head coach. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, I was like, I'm yeah, exactly. Fucking <laughs> reach over there. Like, isn't he the worst? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, what do you want <laughs> me to say? Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, listen, man. I was like, all, and I was getting frustrated. I was like, I just want you to admit that, like, he's not a good coach. And you're like, I mean, this was towards the end. So you're like, I mean, he's not. He's not great, but like you're like, Reed, it's like he's a head coach. Like they don't even do that much. They're just a CEO. 
And Tyler, I just remember Tyler being over there, like just shaking his head, like Kyler, like don't you can't argue with him. He's just a Tennessee idiot, like. Well, that yeah, too, but I you mean, you're in it, so you're like, dude, I gotta believe in the guy. I want to win, you know. Exactly. How else am I supposed to freaking uh, live? Yeah. yeah. How much? How else am I supposed to say, like, yeah, you know, running all those 300-yard shuttles were worth it in the yeah, offseason, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. squatting all that weight was worth it. It's like, but my head coach is a dumbass? Like, what do you mean, dude? Like, I got to say something. And plus, before Butch was Dooley, like, yeah. are yeah. you shitting me? Like, yeah, what? he was an upgrade. We went and- to two bowl games. Like, suck my cock. It's, he was a good coach. <laughs> Golly, Kyler, edit that out. We have kids on here. (laughs) All right, all right, all right, all right. But in all fairness, in all fairness, that was before – in all fairness, that was before Butch, like, really, really fell off the cliff. Anyways, we'll let Tyler get it. We'll let Tyler get out of here. So I found some stuff. I just wanted to let everyone know we got uh, most sacks in a season, 2013, Tyler Williamson. Most tackles for a loss – no, sacks was 2013 and 14. Tackles for a loss, 13. Then I – let's go. I was going to try to find the um, record, too, of the fumbles. I think it was – would you have eight forced fumbles in your career, which was the record? Is that, that, actually, what it was? that sounds right. Yeah. yeah, it was you and Bart Scott. So, anyways, dudes, yeah. I got, I got to juice my guy up, bro. Kyler, don't get jealous. I've been juicing you up on this pod <laughs> for yeah. three – for three years, I got to. Set lines are hard on the offensive line, though. That's the only thing. That's true. <laughs> I got. I got. I got. I got to let everyone know the dog, the absolute dog that, that Tyler was. Anyways, any other things that you want to add before you jump off or anything? We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no, love what y'all are doing. Don't follow it at all. But uh, love you guys. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I, I, yeah, I don't mean any disrespect. Like you said, I just you got kids and you got what a great priority a great list. Person. <laughs> but I know it's legit, so I appreciate you having me on. No, uh, I would shout out your business and your company, but I don't really know if you want any more business. The guy stays busy; he has more business. He has to turn it down, but he you has. Know, well, you know what I wanted? What I want to shout out is everybody go on YouTube and type in Tyler Williamson, Knoxville Catholic. Watch that highlight tape and him sticking people and one-handed interceptions and ripping fumbles. I I want you to go watch that. Go show him. Go watch some effort. Go watch some effort being being put on the field. And also, uh, check out number 75 blo- uh, pass blocking for him there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sadly. 27's sadly, on there a couple times, too. Hey, sadly, <laughs> hey, sadly, my guy would have probably a couple more tutties and some more yards if I had not dropped some passes. But I will say uh, I will say you can watch him on at Catholic on YouTube. You can watch him at Highland Community College. You can watch him at SIU Highlights. There so, you go. Yeah. Talk, I'll probably talk to you tomorrow or, or after yes, this. Me, uh, Thank you, Tyler. Mento Mori. God bless. See you, fellas. See you, brother. Oh, great talking to him. I actually should have mentioned, too, one of my uh, – I should have actually mentioned, uh, besides all of his accolades, that he was also my um, sponsorship when I did my RCAA at, uh, at Sacred Heart to join the Catholic faith, which was probably – one of my favorite honors that he has is I appreciate him sponsoring me when I joined the faith, but um, which I know he would have appreciated too. So I wanted to say that anyways, I love having him on here. You and I real quick, what do you think about Saban retiring? And then we'll jump jump in. So as I was going through this, obviously it's the best 
it's the best fucking news. I mean, you, you can't – if you're an SEC fan of any other school besides Alabama, you're jumping for joy at this. Saban has – You there, Kyler? 2009 is when he got there, so almost 15 years. No, no, 2007. 2007. 2007. So, literally, 15 years he has controlled the SEC. Um, and, you know, people might say, hey, listen, Auburn won a national championship, right? Georgia won national chip championships while he was there. I looked it up, Reed. From the last 15 national champions, okay, the last 15, including Michigan this year, six of them were Alabama, obviously. So you have nine more national champions over the last 15 years. Eight of the nine had to beat Alabama to win a national championship, either in the national championship game, in the SEC championship, or playing them during the regular season. Auburn had to beat them last game of the year to get there with Cam. Georgia had to beat them every year in the SEC championship. Uh, Ohio State had to beat him for theirs. You have to, over the past, over Saban's career, you either win it as Alabama or you beat Alabama. And that's that's what you have to do. I mean, the guy has 44 first-round picks and 29 losses at Alabama. Are you shitting me? He almost doubles the amount of losses he has with first-round picks. That's crazy. And then I heard somewhere that he's like 11 and 1 in SEC championship games. 11 and 1, dude? What? That doesn't make any sense. Like, like you say that and you're like, "What? How? How? How is that even possible? How is that possible to go like that in a conference in general, but yet the SEC? That is it Nick Saban is the GOAT. He's the best head coach there's ever been. There's not going to be anyone like him. Alabama fans, drop your freaking standards. You're you're it's not going to be there. You had the greatest run that there ever has been in college football. It's over. And man, am I happy about it. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I respect greatness and I I can't stand Alabama, but I love Nick Saban. You know what I mean? Like, are you there? It froze again. It looked like. Can you hear me? I'm here. I'm here. Okay. So your your screen's frozen a couple times, but okay. So, like I said, I hate Alabama, but I love and respect Nick Saban. So, I got to. I, I feel I was never a closet Alabama fan at all. I've always hated him, but it, like I did have a cool, unique. Um, uh, vision or not vision, but a cool, unique seat for, for the ride because I was the girl that I dated in high school. Her brother played at Alabama and he was there when Nick Saban showed up in 2007. And then he, his senior year, he wins a national championship in 2009. And so, you know, it was awesome for me being young and hearing all the Saban stories from all of his players and then here going down there and like going to the family events and getting to meet Saban and just being around him. And I'll tell you this, it's, it was one of the weirdest things. So it was at that family day, a day, it's like their spring game and you go down there and he's walking around. So it's like they do the game. And then after that, all the families and stuff can come back to the practice facility and they have like a, a cookout and he's there just, 
Everyone wants to meet him, shake his hands. All the players are coming to introduce their families over, and I go over to him. And I kid you not, Kyler, it, it like the man literally felt like he had an aura or a glow around him. It was like it was almost as if he like had put this makeup on and he's about to go on TV and there's like the special lighting, but we're outside in, in like 90 degree heat in Alabama. Like, and I'm, I'm not kidding. Like I'm not building him up something that he, that he it, it, like, and I was a Tennessee fan. Like I was still like rooting for Tennessee to beat them. Like in 2009, when we lost to them, that's one of the worst losses in my, because for me, it would have been great. I could have been happy that for Alabama to win it for, for that family and be like, well, Hey, your one loss was against us. Like, yeah. so don't get it twisted. But like, it was wild meeting him and dude's a little guy, a little, little guy, but like his presence and his just or was was wild. And so my only thing about saving is I wish he would have stayed at LSU. Cause if LSU won all those national championships, I would be like, you know what? I like LSU a lot more than I like Alabama. Hell yeah. Alabama thinks it's Alabama. Alabama thinks it's Alabama. It's not been Alabama. It's been Nick Saban. Now, I get it. I get it. Bear Bryant was unbelievable, one of the greatest of all time. So they had their run then. They've just been fortunate that they've had two runs over a period of time. But it just always frustrated me Yeah, that they thought it was Bama. I was like, no, it wasn't Bama. Like, if Nick Saban had picked Tennessee, we would have had that run. If Nick it, Saban picked Georgia, they would have had that run. You know what I mean? So it's like – Yeah, I think he could have done that in any SEC school. I think it, it really is a kind of well, luck of the draw. Well, He's not that, going, Al- you know. that Alabama had the coach opening, was able to poach him. He had just won a national championship at LSU. Like, it really was, like, timing. Everything worked out. Like, you know, I look back on it, and, you know, when Fulmer is going out and, you know, Tennessee is on this run, right? Tennessee is this program that wins. We're, we're in the top five in winning percentage. We won a national championship in 98. You know, the last the last natty that that Bama had was ninety two. So it's like we are a good program at that point. When when Fulmer you know loses in 08, we're not thinking about hiring Nick Saban. Fulmer was still there in 07. but as 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 soon as he's fired, it's like okay, as we go, as we become a new program, how do we? make the step right we haven't had that many head coaches how do we make the step to the new regime we hire lane kiffin i so much so much dislike lane kiffin right now as who he is and the way he acts but you can't tell me if he is at tennessee for multiple years he doesn't have success i i guarantee he would i guarantee he would and i i really like that scenario of Kiffin coming in for a year to propel his own career to USC really set Tennessee back so like 15 years. I mean, yeah. 15, 16 years. That's that that alone made the difference between like, hey, are you that program, right? Like Alabama thinks they are. We are that program that we are the job that you want. They are the job that you want because of what Saban's done. Like now, this day and age, I don't know if that's the job that you want. I don't know if that's the best job out there. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I agree. And so I was, it's a good, it's a good headway because when all this news started breaking and I 
wasn't really hearing a bunch of stuff, but I did see it once. And once was all I needed to see to know it was out there. And then being like, Hey, we should go get D'Amico Ryan's. It's like, yeah, I bet you do want with D'Amico Ryan's. Guess what? D'Amico Ryan's is not leaving an NFL team to come to Alabama. No. Like you, like, I, I think people need to NFL jobs are the best. If you want to be a coach in football, it's the best 32 jobs in the world. If for football, That's true. And you're not going to leave somewhere, especially when you're young, you got a young quarterback and you're doing well to go back to your own mount or just like all the Ohio State fans, like, oh, I can't wait for Vrabel to come back. It's like, bro, Vrabel ain't coming back. No, no one's going to recruit 30, uh, 365 days a year. Nobody Being a head coach in college is so much worse and so, so much more work. Right. It's and crazy. So, so it just cracked me up when Bama, like, and no, I'm not saying all of them maybe thought it, but you would see it. It was out there like, oh, he's going to love to come back to his alma mater and like, no, no, he's not. No, he's not going to do it. And so then I'm thinking about who else is going to take the job. And I was talking to Tyler just the other day and I was like, bro, I might stay at Washington, honestly. Um, and, and, and maybe stay out there and just do the do, but we're all competitors. We're all like, Hey, let's go do it. And guess what? If he goes to Alabama and it doesn't work out, he's still going to get another opportunity at a smaller level. But you know, you think about that. And then I'm like, if I'm if I'm Josh Heupel, I'm not leaving Tennessee. If I'm Brian Kelly, I'm not leaving LSU. If I'm Alabama, I don't want Ryan Day. If I'm Alabama, I personally want wouldn't want Dabo Sweeney. But I don't think Dabo leaves because he knows he's got such a cakewalk. Even though he's frustrated because Clemson fans are turning to Alabama fans saying, "Hey, we're only winning this. We're only winning that." It's like, and, and Dabo's like, "You guys were nothing before I got here. I brought you two national championships. Shut up." And yeah. so. It's like, I just don't think Bama's that desirable of a job. So kudos to them for getting this. But, you know, like, I'm happy they got DeBoer. I I would rather them have DeBoer than Lane Kiffin. I know Lane Kiffin's going to do some stupid stuff and get them in trouble and be a clown. But you give him those resources compared to the resources he's got at Ole Miss. Like, the one thing that Lane Kiffin hasn't done is show up in big games. And I, my opinion is his opportunity to win big games is much better at the University of Alabama than the University of Mississippi. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. I, I just feel like they probably got one of the best people out there. But it's not – he doesn't scare me. It doesn't scare me. And and maybe it's not, a, not an attack on him, but, like, no one scares me. And I'll finish up because we get it. We've been on here for almost an hour. But let me just say this. That I enjoyed – I enjoyed the Alabama-Tennessee game from 2022 so much – not just because we won and not just because it was one of the best college football games in the history of college football, the back and forth, not just because it was at home and not all that that we went into it, but the fact that we won that game going at Saban and Saban showing him being like, wow, there's a new kid on the block and this guy can dial it the f- up. Mm-hmm. We were going to his DBs, his safeties, his defense, yeah, exactly. That, that just made it special. And it's funny to say that, you know, we can all say, hey, that was kind of the start of the end for him. But that's not really true because he just had a team in the – he just won the SEC championship this year. He just was one play away from playing for a national championship. Yeah. And I, I do also like the joke, too, that, hey, now that everyone's going to pay players, it's time for him to step down. Yeah. And I'll be, I'll be the first one to admit. I'll be the first one to admit. I'm shocked that he stepped away. I thought he would be a lifer. I thought he was addicted to this. I would not be surprised if he came back, but I but I think he'll just go to TV and do that and ride off into the sunset now. Yeah, I mean, he he put it up to his age, being 72. I mean, just having to stay, you know, stay and watch film until 11, get up at 5, get back over to the facility, like just dealing with all that kind of stuff. Um, 
um, you know, telling parents like, Hey, I'm going to be here four more years. Like I'll, I'll raise your kid for you. Like he, you know, couldn't say that with an honest face. Um, and yeah, that 2022 game was, was very special too, because you got Bryce Young, you got Will Anderson. This team had real, real high, like high expectations. This was a better team than this, than this last year's team. I mean, it was, you put, the Jalen Milrow led Alabama versus the Bryce Young Alabama. I think the Bryce Young Alabama wins. Like, I think 2022 beats 2023 Alabama. Oh, um, no. No question. No question. So, you know, we lost this year, put up a pretty decent fight, but like I I I'm just I'm happy that he's gone. <laughs> like, please and thank you. The only the only reason, like I mean, I'm obviously would never want him back. But the only thing is now is like, oh great, now now Kirby Smart has one less, you know, deterrent in his way. And so now Georgia fans are all, but whatever. It's it's you know, the SEC's changing and I firmly believe Tennessee's got a great coach. And yeah. I think that above team playoff really, really helps us. Now let's yeah. jump to our season recap. We're probably gonna talk a little bit quicker than we expected because that just went a while. But Kyler, I'm I'm gonna kick it off. This is my feelings. The first three games. Virginia, Austin P, Florida. I was so excited for the season. So yeah. excited for the season. Hi. And Virginia, Virginia was good, but it wasn't – I was still left decently nervous because I knew what Virginia – I had a feeling of what Virginia was. They, and, they were seen as a bad team. Right. And for me going into this season, the hovering over everybody. JoJo. It, yeah. And so I was always hoping week by week that I saw something that was like, okay, maybe so, maybe so. But really for me, the Virginia was like, hey, we can still go out, get a really, really quality win. Our defense can look good. Virginia's not bad. And when you play bad teams, you got to dominate them. We dominated them. The offense still worried me a little bit. But the thing about Virginia was like, who's this kid, JP, James Pierce? And Uh, that's why I wrote it down too. No, I said, I said two guys. I said, who's James Pierce? Who's Dylan Sampson? Those two guys introduced themselves. I mean, Dylan had done some stuff the year prior, but introduced themselves as like, hey, listen, I'm here. I'm here to play. Dylan had four, but, three touchdowns, four touchdowns. I don't put them in the same category, me, because I'm like, I knew Dylan Sampson, what I'd seen the year before. I'm like, yeah, this this buddy could do well. James Pierce, I'd forgotten James Pierce was on the team. We watched the, we watched the highlights or the orange and white game broke it down, and I was talking about how – pitiful i thought his effort and energy was i was like what are we doing here i forgot about the kid then he comes out and he's the best edge guy second best edge guy in the entire nation this year and this was his coming out party uh yeah. austin Pete was pretty brutal uh because brutal, dude. I, I wanted to dominate and we didn't um and then for me i i'll say it i'll, I'll eat it man i was wrong i was wrong i was wrong about florida and um, we just went down there and laid a massive egg, and I thought we were going to beat them by 17 or 10. And so that really reset the season expectations for me. What about you? Yeah. For Austin and, P in Florida. Yeah, Austin P, just a disappointment. What's going on? Why is this offense not working? You know, with Virginia, it was still – we went into – like I remember going into the season being like, this is on Joe. Like, I don't know what I'm going to get from Joe. It could be really shitty Joe. It could be really good Joe. But I don't know what it's going to be. In the first game, it was like, okay, everything's fine. And in the second game, it's like, wait, what's happening? 
why why are we only scoring six points in the first half versus Austin P? What what's happening? Um, then into Florida, and we score that first drive, but it's just penalties after penalties. It is missed tackle after missed tackle. Um, it's just a stupid pick by Joe. Throws it up while he's getting tackled. That kind of stuff put me in the mindset of like this it's not going to be the year right like this team isn't quite it it's not the team of last year it's not it's just not it's not as good of a team that that was that was the disappointing part and kind of the turn that really opened your eyes to okay how do how are we judging this team I, I really think so because it, it, it reset the bar of how do we judging this team? Exactly. Cause it, it, it was a lot of the same guys, a lot of the same guys. We didn't lose that many, but the most important position really affected it. It reset, it reset the season for me. And you know what? It's unfortunate that we lost, but at least it reset the season for me and I could temper my expectations. Three, three games in compared to like six games. in. by the way, Kyler, Green Bay is beating Dallas 27 to nothing right now. Yeah. What? 27 to nothing Green Bay over the Dallas Cowboys, and it's 12 seconds till halftime. Al, uh, Holy hell. Yeah, Cowboys have a chance to score, but this I thought this was going to be a really good game, but I didn't expect this. Anyways, so let me say this. We're going into the next three games. And as upset as I was against – Well, Florida, UTSA, I, I did it in four-game increments. So UTSA oh. is part of that one oh, okay. through four. But yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So that's it. Anyway. That's an ass whooping. We don't really have to talk about that. We come out three and one heading into the gauntlet, is what I would say. Is me, a four game gauntlet. Let me let me say this. So uh, Florida happens, and Florida really hurt me. Not, I mean, it hurt all the Tennessee fans of how we lost. I mean, because we lost, but like it really bummed me out because of how we lost. And I was like, I just don't, I did really, Kyler, think about it. The first two years with, with uh, Josh Heibel, we didn't get our ass kicked. We, we did not take a big kick in unless the team was just head over heels better at athlete, athletically than us or talented us. The Georgia that, game was the only one his first year. Right. And I don't, I don't count that. The, they, they were, they were the monsters. They had an NFL team and we weren't anywhere compared. We weren't ready for it. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm talking about in games that we either should win or should have a fighting chance and look decent. That's what I'm talking about. And and for that time, that was the first time I'm like, I think we should have won. We should have won. And we just got Molly Walk. UTSA, I was loved how it started off. I mean, to see Joe House call that, I was like, okay, like he has to run. We need to see that. And so that was kind of like the appetizer, like, hey, he is going to run and it's going to change some stuff. Now yeah. you go. You said the gauntlet, South Carolina, Texas A&M, Alabama, and Kentucky. And, Kyler, I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. This that four, this four games for me. Come out for everyone. Like, you know, it's not – it's not. It's easy to say now, so I'm not even going to say it. I was going to say this This was like my favorite time. Obviously, it's my favorite time because of what, what we did. But, like, I was – I am so thoroughly impressed – what Josh Heupel and this coaching staff did. Going into that, I'm like, yo, we're two and two, maybe one and three after how bad we looked against Florida. But as teams respond, you get a huge win 
It's against South Carolina at home because of what they did to us the year before that and how well we kind of dominated them. You take away that one long run that they had, Literally. and we absolutely body bag them. Then you yeah. go in, then you go to Texas A and M. I'll say my little piece, and then I'll let you jump into yours for the games. Texas A and M was was probably my Super Bowl. I mean, South Carolina, Texas. I, I put it down as most uh, like literally the turning point. Like it is one. Yeah. Like you you said you said Florida is like told you what this team was. Texas A and M was the next point that told me what this team was. Like it it really was kind of defining. Hey, think I mean think that was a close game. Think if we lose that game, we're seven and five. That is so much different than eight and four. I agree. So agree. much. And, and once we got – I mean, I was nervous going into South Carolina. I, we went to that game together. It was a great game, great atmosphere. It was awesome. And I'm not going to forget that, like, because people want to say the season didn't go how it should have. But you go and you play that. Texas a and we don't have our fastball. We don't have our curveball. I mean, we're out there playing awful, and the defense steps up. They compete. They fight. And then what D. Williams does – Every, mm-hmm. All the coaches want to say it. None of us fans ever believe it, but coaches always say it. There's three phases offense, defense, and special teams. A lot of coaches right. just call it teams. Hey, you got to play teams. You got to, we yeah. got to be good on teams. And the fact that we didn't have our stuff and we still were able to win that game was huge. Then you go to Alabama for me, and I'm sitting here like, yo, Alabama, I, I don't trust, I don't trust Tennessee because I don't trust Joe Milton. I don't, I don't know what Alabama is because I'm thinking Alabama's just had a slopper against South Florida. You know, they lost to Texas, and they look like they got body back. So, I'm like, what are we doing and here? And they barely beat Texas A&M. And how well they, Tennessee came out and punched them in the mouth that first quarter. I was like, oh, you know what, guys? I, I I mean, I really thought that we had a chance for that to come down. I, we had, I, I really thought we had a chance to win. I was really just like, get to the, to the fourth quarter about eight, nine minutes ago. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Bama came out, and they did two things. They ran the ball, and they pounded at us, and were smart about that. And then – there are some questionable calls. That's what happens when you play Nick Saban in Alabama in Tuscaloosa. But I, yeah, I think they also made some some adjustments in the second half that a that a veteran coach in Nick Saban, the way he's able to lead his team, that's going to happen. You got to fight through that. You got to try and push through all those second half adjustments. But I mean, that's the reason we didn't score any points. That's the reason they kept scoring. Like it is. Yes, there are some horrible penalties that were missed or not called or called that weren't real. Um, but those adjustments, that that's makes the difference. Agreed. And they they basically just lined up and said, we're going to bully ball you. We know that you guys are still not where we are on the line of scrimmage or the linebacking core, and so it was smart to them. But, Kyler, you take that loss, and then you're heading to the next week to go to Lexington. And yeah, you come, away and, game. And you that's come tough. You come away with a night win in Lexington. Once again, like we, I know we all joke, but South Carolina, Texas A&M, Kentucky, like those are the swing games. And we, we went three and zero on swing games on those. Now I know we lost Florida and we lost Missouri and we, and we look bad doing it, but in the middle of the season, and I remember watching that, uh, that Kentucky game being like, okay, we're starting off good. I'm not nervous yet. I'm not, but there was a point in time where like we had to make the plays where that game could have gotten away from us. Had to. And 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 so to, to to go three and one and and look how we looked in the first half against Bama, I was like that. It was just like thank you, Hypo. I know I know I love you, but but I got a little nervous after what I saw against Florida. But like thank you, thank you. And so I don't. You go ahead and talk about those four type deal. 
No, I, th- I felt the same way. It's South Carolina revenge game. Um, I thought the guys came out. They were firing. You know, like you said, we went to that game together, and it was fun. It was fun to watch a sack party, an absolute sack party. I think we had like seven or eight uh, on the day. Like we were all getting all over Spencer Rattler. Kamal Haddon's interception, pick six. That was huge. Um, all blacks. Like I loved that game. We go into Texas A&M. This is the big one of, of the year. I, I think, like I said, turning point game. And for D. Williams to take that return back, like how massive and how much it makes me fall in love with Coach Eckler. I, I like I freaking love that guy. He is he's a great coach. He's done a very good job with special teams, and you love the energy that he brings. Um, we go into Bama. I'm super excited for it. I think there's still a chance for us to win if we play up to what we're capable of. Um, and we fell off. And you just can't – you can't do that versus Alabama. You can do that versus Austin P. You can do that versus Vandy. You can't do that versus Alabama. They're going to take advantage. Um, and then Kentucky, back and forth game, super close. Kentucky's talking shit before the game, and we came in, won, made plays when we had to. Dylan Sampson being clutch as hell in the fourth quarter. Huge pickups on first, like getting first down for us, scoring touchdown for us. That was a, that was a big one. It, it, it's, it's tough to go two road games in a row, um, and then after losing one when you're up at halftime at Bama – uh, you're a little demoralized, and for them to kind of bounce back versus Kentucky, like I, that was another one where it's just, all right, I like this team. I like the I like the guys on this team. Like they're they're fighters. Heupel, you know, in the three years he's been here, it seems like that has always been the case. Where Dak has two interceptions too. By the way, it looked like the first one wasn't that bad. Let's see this second one. Oh, they didn't show the second one. Uh, they did score right before half, so now it's twenty-seven-seven. I, I think the Cowboys will actually make a little bit of a comeback, but I don't think they're gonna come back and win it. Anyway, they're not gonna win. It, they'll they'll fuck it up in the fourth quarter like they always do. So, you know, Heupel's Heupel's built that culture in that like. You know, like I said, that was really the first butt kicking that we got with a team that that shouldn't have kicked our butt is the best way I'll put it. And these guys just respond to him. They respond like he has that business approach. He's not going to get too high, not too low. It's like, hey, whether we win by 100, lose by 100, like we got to come back on Monday or Sunday, got to get right for the next week. So I love that. And you can see it on the sidelines when shit happens. He's just like, hey, on to the next. Right. And and so and I and I and that just really showed me that and that really confirmed that. Now you go into the to the last four, you know, UConn, we handle business like we're supposed to. Vandy, we handle business like we're supposed to. Easy. Love, love, just shout out Baron McCullough, Beasley, all had touchdowns. Yeah. When that happened, I was like, thank God these guys last year's gonna score. Like it's good for them. Little did I know Tyler Barron is going to be transferring to Ole Miss after the season, so that puts a little damper on it. But I remember at the point I was like, "Yeah, like great, they got one." Yeah, yeah. Missouri, you know, I'll even say this: UConn and Vandy, we do what we're supposed to do. Georgia, yeah. after come off that whipping at Missouri, 
I just I was happy that we had that moment. We had one moment. We had our moment with uh, with the the run at the beginning, and then Georgia did what they did. They're just the better team at the time. We had a lot of injuries in the defensive backfield. We had a lot of. Injuries. I mean, one one on one matchups is what I is what I said when we played Georgia. It's what I said rewatching it. I'm just like, listen, bud. There, you could you could see their athletes just running past our DBs. You could see our wide receivers just getting locked up by theirs. Like it's just the, who you got on the field, the the Jimmy's and the Joe's made a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not making excuses. Georgia was going to win the game probably nine out of 10 times. I mean, Tennessee, there's a, there's a world there where if Tennessee's fully healthy or almost at full strength, we play really well. They don't. Maybe it's a fourth quarter game, but like I'm not making excuses. But I'm not. I also didn't leave that game like really. Yeah. I was just like, hey, like that's really good. We weren't. We're not in a spot to compete with them right now. So I'm going to be realistic about it. But Missouri was. Missouri was the tough one, where the offense just didn't show. I mean, there's a couple times where you know Missouri we score seven and Florida we scored sixteen, but some of them was late. And I'm like, that's just not what I'm used to with Heupel. And I know people want to get mad about the defense and get mad about the defense because. Their running back was run all over us. The, the quarterback did a lot of a lot of scrambles, a lot of scrambles, and a lot of more backbreakers. Third, third down here, third down there, all that stuff. And you and I will still argue like the defense played good enough to be in that game. It was the offense's fault that never showed up and, and never helped and did what they were supposed to do. Because it was it didn't get to the thirty plus points until the fourth quarter. Like it was a one score game going in the half. Like it was still very winnable game of in deep in the third quarter. Like. It, you score a couple touchdowns, you're going to be all right. You're in the game. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, and, and and I'll just, you know, if we got two bad losses in Missouri and in, uh, in, in Florida, we, we, got, we got three good wins, four good wins this year. So we got two bad losses that I don't like. I got four wins that I really like. A&M, I really like. South Carolina, I love. Kentucky, I love. You know, and then you get the Iowa one, which I still count. So for yeah. me, for me, uh, you know, still an absolute success of a season. And now I'm just personally, I'm very excited. But going into this year, I was on cloud nine a little bit. I was like, yo, I love Hypo. I trust him. Like, he'll get the boys right. And they still had a good season. I, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Um, but they still had a good season. And now I'm like, we're going to be really good next year. But I'm almost nervous because we have the quarterback in the NFL that's on the rookie contract and we got a window. Before we got to pay the man, and I yeah. mean, and I I mean that we got a window in Nico because we got two years and the dude's gone, and I think he's going to be fabulous. And I just want to, and I'm not going to get into all the off season stuff and all that stuff yet. We don't have, we can do that another time. But there's a lot of things. There's a couple groups, position groups on this team going into next year that really worry me. And it's not going to be fair to Nico if they're not in the spot that they need to be because we're not going to maximize the best talent that we've had here in years. Yeah, and and I don't know if that's um, you know, that's something that does get maximized the second year he's starting. Um, but like you said, the next two years, 2024, 2025, Tennessee needs to do something. The this is a huge, massive opportunity for us. You don't get five star quarterbacks like Nico every drop of the hat. Like it is a very rare thing. We need to take advantage of it. I, and I, I'm glad you said something there. I don't even know if you meant to do it. You said a five-star quarterback like Nico, we can get other five stars 
mm-hmm. that they're always going to pan out. And I'll be shocked, legitimately shocked. All of us will be shocked if Nico is not really, really good the next two years, barring injury. So, so you not just five stars, five stars like Nico. Anyway, so let's go to our awards. Uh, my, uh, so it, it's bet we got our awards. Correct me if I'm wrong because I wrote mine down on my phone. I didn't write them down. Best pancake block. Yep. What Favorite else? play. Got it. Biggest play. Got it. Best player. Got it. MVP. Got it. And best newcomer. All right, go. Start firing these boys off. So starting off with best pancake block, I think we're both going to be on the same page. It is Big John Campbell versus Virginia. Absolutely dumping Buddy into the tunnel on a touchdown run by Dylan Sampson. Went viral. Absolutely great. It showed us who John Campbell was. No one knew him at this point. I was like, who is this? New offensive alignment we have. This is who he is. This is the kind of effort he shows. You saw it later in the season, too. There are other plays all throughout the season where John is bodying dudes. He's pulling around with vengeance. Like, he is trying to take dudes out. So, uh, best pancake block for sure is John, first game of the year um, in the end zone. Completely agree. That's that's mine. I'm not going to try to be different. I'm not going to try to pick another one because that one was so electric. I said it when it happened. He just had the equivalent of a skill position, running back, house calling one, receiver, mm-hmm. quarterback. He had the equivalent to scoring a game-winning touchdown with that block. That exactly. is I'm in live for. Not just a pancake block like that, but not just one where you drive someone to 15 yards in the field. But where you put them in the in the Gatorade bath, in the sideline, in the end of the stadium. And 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 you're the leader on the block, right? You're leading the way. There's there's hey, there's pancakes on the other side of the field all the time. People don't see people don't people don't see them balls head the other way. But to be the leading block into the end zone, that that makes a difference. Um next one. Favorite play. Uh, why don't you go first? What 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 do you think your favorite play out of the season was? D. Williams has to be. It, it, there's no question because I remember how nervous I was for that game, and if we had lost to A and M, I was going to be so upset. And when mm-hmm. they kicked, and and he made he caught it, made that first side step, made that first guy miss, and starts getting going, I was like, okay, because we already had good field position. We had done a good job where we were going to get good field position, even if he got tackled right on the spot. But when I'm yeah. like. Get us in field goal range, and he house calls it. I've never been happier because I was so frustrated that game with Joe and the lack of offense, and I was just going to be really, really bummed out if we lost that game. So I, there's no way. I mean, the Kamal pick six was awesome, and I love pick six. And being a former DB, that's that's your Super Bowl where you get to pick six and house call, and everyone's going nuts. But there's no way I cannot pick D Williams. It, there's yeah. I, I I like I like where you're going there. Um, I thought about it, it, you know, a couple different ways. I was like, can I think about this as like an individual like scheme, right? Like, what what was my favorite like play call right. that we had, yeah. right? Or or what was you know my most hopeful moment after a play? Like, holy crap! Like, I, I feel great right now. Um, so there was a couple ways I could have done it. If I had to pick like a consistent play, it's like. That tackle counter, I, I absolutely love. Like, I love that as a play, right, like in the scheme. 
But what I consider my favorite play of the year is us driving down before halftime and scoring with 16 seconds left in Bama. At Bama, Joe throws a great pass to Castles on a little little corner route. He ran out of a bunch formation. He scores a touchdown right before halftime, and it's like, who the hell is Bama? Like, where does this team come from, right? I saw the Austin P. I saw the Florida, but this ain't that team. They've grown up, right? They just had that big win versus Texas A&M. They're here. I, you talk about you talk about high hopes. That's when they're the highest going into that halftime versus Bama. So when I when I think back in my emotional state and like how I'm how I'm feeling about these games, it's like man, that play that got me hype. That's funny. Great way to put it because that's how I felt with the D. Williams punt return. When we scored there, I was like, we have to have this. We have to have this. And we scored against Bama. And I remember turning and looking at my dad like, well, that's right before half. Because I didn't want to settle for another field goal. So I get you. Yeah. That was more That was more relief. But I still yeah. knew another half to go. The D. Williams for me is how you felt there. So I love that. I love that. All right, next one. So here's the next one is the biggest play of the year. This is where I give it to D. Williams. D. Williams versus Texas A&M, that was the most massive play that happened all year. It, Like I said, 7-5, and 8-4 and four are a whole lot different. D. Williams is the reason we won that game. Our offense couldn't do anything. Our defense was able to step up and finish that game off with two interceptions, the last two drives Texas A&M had. And for D. to... You know, you saw him return versus Virginia. You saw him return last year. It was always like, give this guy a shot. Give this guy a shot. He's going to take one. He's going to take one. And when we needed him the most, he took one to the house. So biggest play of the year is it for sure D. Williams touchdown. I couldn't agree more. It's mine. So it's back-to-back for me. And I would love to hear – uh, our YouTube commenters, y'all are great. Please let us know your opinions on these awards and what you all think it would be. Because they're, I'm telling you, these con- the, the people who comment, you guys are awesome. We appreciate it. I read all of them. I try to respond to them. But they they bring some great points of like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about that. Or like, yeah, that's yeah. right. So I do want to hear some other ones. Okay, next award. Uh, best player. So this is not MVP. This is best player. And I look around. It's got it's an easy answer. It's James Pierce. That yeah. man was a absolute beast this year. Um, just sacks galore, strip sacks, interception to finish the year, pick six. Uh, he's the standout guy. I did, did this is him and Nico are the two guys are gonna be talked about all offseason leading into next year. Our first game of the year. What is both commentators gonna talk about? How about Nico, uh, starting quarterback? He's got a lot of hype. How about James Pierce on the edge? Like, those are our two big guys right now. Yeah, it's it's going back to Derek Barnett. And, you know, Derek Barnett was never going to be considered, uh, even though he had statistics, the better statistics, uh, and I w- was completely wrong. But I said, I don't know why Miles Garrett's getting all this hype. Yeah, he's a freak show talent-wise, but he's not better than Derek Barnett in college. Well, I was wrong because Miles Garrett's, uh, the best, one of the best. He's the still best. a freak show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was wrong. So that's why I can't really good. I'm not really good at comparing people to go into the NFL. But anyways, 
James Pierce is going to go into next year. I mean, we're at Tennessee going to have the best edge rusher or arguably the best. So, yeah, I, I think I think the excitement for me, for him, is even more than Derek Barnett because I – you know what I mean? But, yes, he's the best player, hands down. For sure. Next. Oh, let uh, me read uh, – let me just read his stats off real quick because I had him pulled up. Go ahead. Uh, oh, they don't do it – they're not showing it to me here where it was uh, uh, season-based because I had it season-based so I didn't have to – oh, yeah, here it is. Um, Ten and a half tackles for a loss. Uh, six sacks. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 14 and a half, 14 and a half tackles for a loss, 10 sacks. There you go. I was like, I'm pretty sure he had nine or 10. No, he had the INT and stuff like that, but then it's not showing it here. But when I clicked on it earlier, it was showing it. It was the amount of hurries he had too, like the amount of quarterback hurries and pressures. So, oh yeah, here it is. One, three, five, 10, 13, uh, 14, 16. 16 hurries. So, so sacks. right. So the almost I mean, how many forced fumbles do you have? Like three or four. Right, and that and that's the other thing is too is matter of fact, Tyler. Great episode to have Tyler on. I remember talking with him, and it was like, yo, it's not enough for me to get a sack. Like I'm, I'm going for the ball. And you can go back and watch Tyler's highlights. He was coming around the edge, and mm-hmm. he wanted to punch people and kill them. But he was like, I'm getting the ball out because you know how important that is. So, you know. James Pearson was not just coming around and just getting a sack, but and I think he's going to be even better this year. He gets that edge. He might not get the sack, but he's going to be disrupting that ball. And some a lot of people are going to get. Okay, anyways, next next award. Uh, next one MVP. Do you want to go first? Go ahead. My MVP is going to be uh, a little biased, but it is uh, the man in the middle is Cooper Mays. Wow. I gave him my MVP. I saw the way this offensive line worked without him. I saw the way it worked with him. Wow. And I truly believe he made a difference in this O-line play. Um, When I look and think, hey, like I'm watching the defense, James Pierce is that guy, right? He, He is that player. Is there anyone else on that defense that, that that brings the amount of value, right? That 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 leads the entire group, lifts them up, helps them through everything. You know, you lean towards your middle linebacker and Aaron Beasley, but I didn't see that as much, right? I, I still saw bad linebacker play out of maybe Elijah, maybe Arian Carter sometimes, maybe T Lander sometimes. It's like, how can Beasley really affect it that much? I go on offense. I can't give it to Joe. I saw Joe struggle multiple times. I can't really give it to a wide receiver. Uh, you know, a lot of guys got hurt. They didn't even really get to play as much as they wanted to. Um, and, you know, maybe in the running back room, I love Jalen. I love the way that he ran the ball. Um, but there was also just like, you know, the fumble before Missouri halftime. Like there's just random stuff like that. But Cooper – the value that he brought, like literally when you break it down, MVP, the value that he brought to the offensive line, the way he's able to set up both guards and what they need to be doing. Um, he's just that, – that's who I have to say is like this is the man who brings the most value to this team, and he is the one I am most excited about coming back. I need a consistent – smart individual as a center for my fresh 
a fresh, fresh quarterback. I need that. Yeah. Yeah, Cooper is a no-brainer for him to come back because uh, he's going to make more money at the University of Tennessee than he will, you know, because Cooper's still undersized. Uh, yeah. He just is. It's going to be – not that he can't make it in the league, but it's going to be an uphill battle. And um, we're really lucky that we were able to get him back for, like, his – dude's going to be, like, you know, 30 years old out there with a bunch of kids, which is very, very valuable and very fortunate for Tennessee fans. When I was going at this, a most valuable player, I, Kyler, I, I still have to give it to James Pierce because of the pressure and the plays that he made. Mm-hmm. But since we've already talked about James Pierce uh, a lot, I go a lot like you, but I'm on the defensive side. And I think Omari Thomas okay. is so unbelievably valuable with his presence on the inside, the pressure that he can get uh, against the, the the pass as an interior guy, how he can reset po- uh, pockets, how he is against the defense. But just he's a guy you build your defense around. And you're right, we wish it could have been a linebacker. Linebackers weren't, weren't that this year for us. But I truly think, like you think, Cooper coming back next year, which is so huge, I think Omari Thomas come back because if you lose like – you know, the rotational guys, Karat Garland, Dominic Bailey, Elijah Simmons. I'm not saying they were are going to lose them or not come. If you don't have a dog at defensive tackle like Amari Thomas trying to play in this league, you're done. James Pierce, I'm, I'm sorry. James Pierce is going to get doubled, and it's going to be brutal for him trying to help. You have to have a dog defensive tackle, and that's why I also feel like Amari Thomas is so valuable coming back next year, and he was so valuable this year. So, yeah. You know, I still think James Pierce is the best and most valuable because of the big time plays he made. But that leadership in the middle with Omari Thomas and everything you hear about him, that that's where I go. Uh, last one, newcomer of the year. Newcomer of the year. Um, I'm shouting out. Newcomer doesn't for me personally doesn't have to be just their new transfer or new freshman. Like they could just be like new on the scene. So yeah, the, yeah, it could be new on the scene, right? Your first year starting, right? If you're a junior and this is your first year. Totally. You can, you can put them in there, but if I'm going to be honest and I'm looking at the film and I'm watching the games, my newcomer of the year is John Campbell. It is, oh, we get James- a transfer, we get a transfer offensive lineman and he's a starting tackle and he plays the way he played and it sucks. He had some injuries and, you know, got, tra- you know, wasn't able to play the entire season, but like, some of the stuff I saw out of him, the fight that I saw out of him, I, I that is yes, I like I'm going to John Campbell. You know, over, it, there's over James Pierce. Well, James Pierce, I guess yes, can be a newcomer because this is his breakout year, right? Um, but I did think that I didn't want to go. Best player, James Pierce, MVP, James Pierce, best newcomer, James Pierce. He is the best player right now. Like, I don't care what people are saying. Nico as like the best player on our team because he's a five-star and like he has all this potential. No, 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 no. Nico has not proven it yet. James Pierce is the best player on this team right yeah. now. Well, let me that is bar none. No one can say anything different. But people are People are going to watch this and keep seeing my hand and be like, what's going on? I was like, I got in a fight with a bear. He lost. No, uh, we, 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 we're not, I love all animals. So I, but I'm, I'm more of a dog person than a cat person, but we did rescue the sweetest little girl, as I call her, a little kitty. 
Uh, and so I've been playing with her and she gets a little aggressive. Not bad, not bad, because if she was one of those mean cats, a dick cat, as I call them, I, I wouldn't be playing with her. But anyway, so that's why my hand's like this. James Pierce is the newcomer of the year for me, uh, but I want to give, a, I'm going to say someone else just so that we can put it out there. I loved him. I loved Omar Norman Lott. Loved, 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 yeah. loved, 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 loved everything he played with. Yep. And the fact, like, okay, you know, we got Omar Thomas. You know, you got Tyler Barron. We lose um, Dejon Terry. It's like, who's going to be that other guy in the middle? And holy crap, I love how Omar Thomas, I mean, how Omar Normanlot plays. Mm-hmm. He's good to run. He's good against the pass as an interior guy. He's nasty. He came up, and you were the one that mentioned this to me as much as I love him. You're like, hey, Reed, not only did he have sacks, they were big-time timely sacks. I was like, you know what? You're right. So yeah. my of the year was absolutely Omar Normanlot, and I am excited to watch him again next year. And honorable mention, T-Lander. I like the way you play, bud. Yeah, we we definitely love how he plays. Yes, you know, not all. You, you listen, I'm not saying he's a freak. I'm not saying he's like the most athletic guy out there, but I like the way he freaking throws his hat, in the, hat you know, facing the fan. Like that's it's, it's fun to see as a freshman. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a a overall good season. It is disappointing, but I think everyone looking back. It is kind of understandable, right? Hey, listen, we had Hinden, we had Brew healthy, and Jalen said, and Jalen, darn all right, darn all right, yeah, darn all right. Um, so it's like it it makes sense, right? It makes sense. There's a little drop off, like we just said, twenty four and twenty five are huge seasons for this program because of who we have. The most important position. I know I'm an offensive lineman. I know I played left tackle. I know I want to say offensive line is most important. The quarterback is the most important position on the field. It always is. It always will be. So we now have that opportunity with one of the best prospects we've had in a very, very long time. So we got to take advantage of it. I don't know when we're going to jump back on to the next pod, but we'll do our – because it's getting into basketball season, and I know football – Football always lives. Even doing this right now seemed a little late, but it was perfect because Saban retired and we could bring uh, Tyler on and talk about it. So that was great. But, like, it's already seeming like I don't even want to look into next year yet. Like, we need to let it breathe and stuff. So we'll hop on and do – like I said, I'm excited to talk about next year because I think people really do need to, like, not necessarily pump the brakes, but, like, this coaching staff has got some offseason – we got some free agents and duties. We got some. We got some co- coaching up duties because there's some. There's a couple position groups. Like I said, I'm worried about. So hey, right now tight ends look great. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> hey, All right, buddy. See ya. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. Uh, if you are watching, please like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, uh, leave a comment. Love the comments. If you're just listening, rate, review, download, re-download. Follow us on all those listening platforms. Follow us on social media at Pancakes and Bacon for our main account on Twitter at Pancakes and Bacon underscore RTI on Instagram. Uh, if you want to follow Reed, it's just at RBacon26 on Twitter. For myself, it is at Kyler Kerbison on all social medias. Uh, yeah, just thank you guys so much. We're probably going to be in a little bit of a break moving forward. Like Reed said, don't know if we're going to be hopping on next coming weeks. Maybe after the second signing period, um, most definitely during spring ball, we'll, we'll, we'll hop on. So 
Uh, super excited, though. Thank you guys always for being such great fans of the show and supporting us through all this. Uh, and as always, go Vols. Thank you.